Welcome to Pastor's Class and the final uh, lesson in Philippians. We've been uh, in Philippians for some weeks now. Such a great book. You know, you have Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians and Ephesians are very similar. Uh, Galatians is longer. And then Philippians uh, just is one of those books that is filled with encouragement. So if you've been following along, I hope you've been reading it. If not, uh, you know, part of our reading plan oftentimes has us go back and reread a book. You can pick up Philippians, just four chapters, and uh, read it in one sitting and get the whole feel. Tonight we start off with, um, with the end. Now it's a long ending. We'll start in verse 10 and uh, go all the way to verse 23 and wrap up the entire book. So why don't we uh, just read it and pray and then get started. Let's read it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, starts like this. Paul writes, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Here's the famous verse. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves, you know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's a final uh, few verses. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Father, I pray you would use this to encourage our hearts to be content in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. It is the battle for being content. All of us want that sense of well-being, that everything is fine. We, we don't need more. We don't want more. We're able to be at peace with those around us with our career, with life as it is. It's the idea of contentment. How do we get there? I think you find the key here at the very end of Philippians as Paul talks about his own ability uh, of what it means to actually be content. You hear it in the language, and I think there are several uh, pieces to that that will help us along the way thinking through how do I as a Christian man 2021, surrounded by COVID and the variant and uh, thinking about moving forward with church and life and career and school. How am I to find contentment? How are you 
whatever situation you're in. I think you find it right here. So a couple of words that I'll just, I'll just use words for my points today and uh, let those drive our understanding of contentment. The first word will be the word gratitude. Gratitude. Learning to be thankful. You, you see that really um, in verse 10, and you also see it in verses 14 through 18. I'll read it in verse 10. Notice what he says. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So evidently, Paul uh, had lost contact with the church at Philippi. They had not been supporting him, but then they were able to do so. So maybe it was they didn't have the means. Uh, maybe they didn't have the desire. Uh, it sounds like they didn't have the opportunity. Usually there are three things that will get you to support something. You have the means to do it, you have the desire to do it, and then you're given the opportunity. And so here's what Paul says. The, the opportunity came up and you have revived that and he is grateful. In fact, Paul says, I'm grateful for your concern. The, um, this understanding that that they want to be with him. You'll, you'll see in verse 10 as well that He's, he's joyful. This is, this is what gratitude does. When you start giving thanks, he's joyful. Um, he gives thanks, you see it in verse 10, in the Lord. His joy is in the Lord. And, and he's thankful for their concern, that, that they actually thought of him. You know, right now with uh, the spike in COVID, uh, I have I know a lot of people that have it. You probably do as well. Maybe you have it yourself. And one of the simple ways uh, to show gratitude and thoughtfulness is to actually display concern for someone. We've been given enough technology that we're able to reach out to someone, uh, to pray with them over the phone or in a text message or to support them. Even sometimes we want to support financially. That seems to be what Paul is talking about here that is a real sense of gratitude. Paul is being supported financially, and then he is just giving thanks to the church at Philippi. You could go and see the same thing uh, over in verse 14 and uh, following. He talks about their kindness in verse 14, you get to verse 15. He talks about how they support the gospel, their partnership, um, and, and he talks about the fruit that God bore through all of that. One of the great ways for you as a Christian, for me as a believer, one of the great ways to be content is to actually verbalize and show gratitude to God and to other people. One of the marks of Christianity is to see that, that what we have is grace. We give thanks to God for that. But there are also people around you that have helped you along the way, that have supported you, that have walked with you, that that have encouraged you. And it is a really good thing. When you, when you express gratitude, that is gonna build a real sense of contentment in your heart because what you're saying is that by which I've been supplied, I am thankful for. It's even a statement in Paul's attitude here is, he'll even say, I, don't, I really don't need anything else. To be able to say, don't, don't send any more money. He does that in verse 17, 18, and 19. Don't send any more. I have all that I need. To be able to say that kind of a statement is a real sign 
of being thankful and being content. So that's one word is gratitude. If you just want to write that down somewhere, remember in your heart, maybe today and tomorrow, this week, uh, be a good chance for you to practice gratitude in your prayers to the Lord, in the people around you. Uh, gratitude is a sign of humility and a love for Christ. First word, gratitude. Let me give you another word. It's a little harder. It's the word growth. You, you'll see it in verse 11 and in verse 12. Notice two times the word that Paul uses in verse 11 and 12. Let me read it. Paul writes, Not that I'm speaking of being in need. Here's what Paul says. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in and in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Did you hear the phrase? <clears throat> I have learned. Verse 11, I have learned. You know what you have there? Experience. It's like Paul is saying, I've been to school. We've started school to take a grove. We just started this week. And uh, school is a process. You start in one grade, you go to the next, go to the next. And if you're really smart, you might skip a grade, but sometimes you miss some life stuff if you skip a grade. But you, it's a process of, of learning. The same is true with contentment. <clears throat> we learn contentment through life experience. And the older you get as a believer, the more you can look back on your life and say, okay, God provided here. Um, God got us through this situation. When we lost everything, uh, we did survive. God provided, he'll do it again. It, it's something that we learn along the way. It's part of sanctification. It's part of growing in Christ. It's part of growing as a man or a woman that we, we settle into this understanding and belief that God will provide. And I mean, you in here in verse 11, Paul says, um, I know how to have things go well, to be up. I know how to be down. I know how to have a lot of money. I know how to have nothing. I I've learned it along the way. One of the things that uh, we, we've got to keep rolling over in our minds. So here it is, 2021. Um, let's just take the last 18 months through COVID and all of that and sort of tired of talking about it, but it's here. One of the things that we've learned, hopefully, is to learn to, to live in this less than ideal situation to grant patience, uh, to trust that God will provide. I mean, babies will, were still born, marriages still happened, kids still grew up. People graduated from high school, went to college. I mean, I mean, a lot of life went on. And if you're in Christ, you learn that this is not what I would have chosen. But God in his goodness has put me here. And by way of providence, and maybe even a frowning providence, a, a hard providence, it's still God doing it. And if that's the case, then I, I must learn to find my contentment in something other than uh, the circumstances. You know, what's immediately on my mind right now <clears throat> is all that's happened in Afghanistan. And um, it, it really is just um, a, it's a tragedy from start to finish, all the way through. 
And I think about the Christians. I mean, it's bad enough the humanity crisis, uh, this, the human crisis that will be there, Taliban, and how terrible that will be for any human. But I think especially for believers. I think because we've had some contact with Christian pastors there. How, like, what will they do with this passage? What, what, what kind of, you know, I use Sunday used an illustration talking about the sovereignty of God and and is God really in control when my water heater burst? <clears throat> that really is something minor. Compare that to what Christians in Afghanistan will now now living under Sharia law. What will they do with contentment? Because all of their good circumstances have been taken away. They, they can't find contentment really in anything. They're going to have to find it somewhere else. And for them, it's going to be a not just a gratitude, but a gratitude to God. But here is brothers and sisters. This is Paul. Paul's in prison. Here are brothers and sisters learning to grow. Learning that the up and down, the good and the bad, all of that is God taking me somewhere. So sanctification, taking me somewhere, being used by God to honor the name of Jesus, going somewhere. So the second word I just would uh, commend to you is the word growth. And instead of resenting uh, the things that happen or, or fighting against them with, with anger or bitterness, I think it's good for us to to look at the bigger picture, what God is doing, and and believe that He actually is in control and going somewhere. Gratitude and growth. I'll give you a third word. Let's go to the um, the most famous verse in Philippians. That word is the word grace. Grace. Can I show it to you in verse thirteen? You probably have this uh, memorized. If you played on uh, a team, if you were in sports, this for some reason this verse became the uh, the favorite verse for athletes. Um, it goes like this: Verse thirteen, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now that typically is <clears throat> taken out of the context, lifted off the page of the Bible, put on a T-shirt, and worn in a weight room, and it never works out like you hope. Uh, because what you find out is you can't do some of those things even though you quote this. What Paul is saying in this context, remember we always we always have to take verses in their context. In the context, <clears throat> Paul is saying, I know how. Just back up the page a little bit. Verse 12. <clears throat> I know how to be brought low. I know how to, to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul's saying, here's the secret of me being able to survive and be content. And the secret is, verse 13, I can do all of this. The NIV, New International, translates it like this. I can do all of this, all that stuff, through Christ who strengthens me. So Philippians 4.13 is not really about uh, motivation and working harder. Philippians 4.13 is about living in the grace of God and finding your contentment in Christ that says, if my contentment in Christ, if my contentment is in Christ, then I can walk through anything. Starving, I can, if my contentment is in Christ, I can live in Afghanistan and still have the joy of the Lord. This 
this verse applies to them. I can do this through Christ who strengthens me. Finding my center and my focus and my life and my identity, finding every bit of that in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus so that you can say with Paul, if for me to, to live is Christ and to die would be gain. I wonder how many of us live with that kind of contentment. It is, that is the contentment. The American dream idea of contentment, of, of retiring early and having a, a place at the beach, and, and that's a really nice thing. And if you, if you have one of those, call me sometime. I'd like to go see it. But, but the American dream of contentment really isn't biblical contentment. Contentment is, is realizing that no matter what happens to me, I am the Lord's and he is mine and my life will honor him. So through Christ, Paul is saying he's, he's able to be content in all situations. Do you know what Christian contentment does for us? Christian contentment makes us flexible. It makes us so that we are not easily irritated. It makes us so that we can go into a situation and it not be and not go like you had hoped, and yet you still are not rattled because your contentment is in Christ. Christian contentment makes us joyful. That, that, that the joy or the happiness we have is not, um, it's, it's not driven by what we live on, this, this tumultuous ocean of a world that throws us here and there. Sometimes we're up and happy, sometimes we're down and sad. Christian contentment, the ver verse 13 says that I can be joyful through all of it. Christian contentment. It makes us, you walk into a room, Christian contentment makes you the, the thermostat and not a thermometer. You, you've heard this before. A thermostat on the wall at your house, you go over there and, and, uh, and, and push the button or turn the dial, and you turn it, and then the unit, air conditioner or heater, responds to what the thermostat has said because you've set the temperature and it will adjust. That's what a thermostat is. A, a thermometer is just on the wall and just tells you what the temperature is in the room. It doesn't have any control over it. When, when your contentment is in Christ, at the environment you live in, at home or with friends or church, you're able to come in because you are content in Jesus and not be a thermometer, go to the temperature of the room, but be a thermostat that brings the temperature up to where, or down to where it should be. Christian contentment makes us, um, it makes us resilient. When, when you're content in Christ, you have a purpose to get up in the morning, you have a purpose for life, regardless of what it is you actually are doing, that what you're doing is for Jesus. It makes us able to walk through difficulty, makes us able to, to help people in their need. This is why all through the ages, whenever there was a plague that would hit a city, the Black Plague, for instance, that swept through Europe and killed half or a third of the population, the people that helped out were the Christians. In COVID-19, who helps? The Christians. It gives us great resilience. Contentment in Christ makes us some... Um, it makes us less likely to complain because we don't feel offended by circumstance. We trust that God is, has us here and we are learning. What Paul say? I have learned. Christian contempt, contentment makes us 
This is very practical. When you're content in Christ, it makes you much less susceptible to temptation. Why? Because you're not tempted by other things. You are satisfied in Christ. I give you, I've given you three words, gratitude, growth, and grace. Let me just uh, end with this one word. Is the word trust. Trust. When you get to verse 14 in Philippians chapter 4, it's Paul talking about the church at Philippi providing provision and God doing that through them. And I just would say trust is, is you and I learning, um, learning to trust in God's provision. L let me show what I mean. Uh, there's a nice word for missions too here in verse 14 and 15. Let me read it. Paul writes, It was kind of you to share in my trouble. What a great thing. They are not with him. They are giving to him. He receives that as, as the church walking with him through trouble. And you Philippians, verse 15, you yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. This is a reminder when it comes to missions that when we give let's just say to Hickory Grove or to our plus one missions, that is a way that we actually partner with the missionaries on the ground. It is a really good way to understand missions. Verse 17 speaks of that actually bearing fruit. And then when you get down to verse 19, here's a prayer and a promise uh, that Paul offers up by way of trusting God. Let me read it to you, verse 19. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So here's the promise, and it's also a prayer, that God would provide, and that provision is based on the riches that are in glory in heaven that are found in Christ Jesus. Well, in Christ Jesus. What a great doctrinal statement so that we might live our lives moment by moment, trusting in the provision of God. And you come down to verse 20, there you find our ultimate purpose. And it just says two, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This, this life of contentment is to be lived with an eye on your life actually meaning something. Your, your life, my life actually giving glory to God. One last thing, just sort of um, almost an appendix or an addendum here at the end. And I just would say, um, what a great end to this whole letter in verse 22 and 23 and 24. He ends with greetings. Don't ever underestimate the power of an actual greeting. A church with friends you haven't seen in a while, in community, the, the ability to speak to someone, to do so in the name of the Lord Jesus, and ending Paul, his only wish for the church at Philippi was that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ would be with your spirit. As we close out the book of Philippians, it is my prayer that the grace of God found in the Lord Jesus Christ would be with you and with your family, would be with your spirit, 
that you would find your greatest contentment in Jesus. Let me pray for us. We'll be done. Father, we trust you for that and we thank you for it. I pray that you would take the book of Philippians and, and, and press it deep into our hearts that we might be genuinely content in Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.